Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. Joining me on the podcast, I have two other Conquer the Gauntlet Pros, and they're my two favorite Masters athletes, Lisa Nondorf. Lisa, say hi. Hey, guys. And Doug Snyder. Doug, say hi. Hello, everyone. Cool. So we're going to be talking about Conquer the Gauntlet on this episode, but before we get into that, quick word from our sponsor. So this episode is brought to you by Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the company that tests your blood and gives you feedback regarding what you need to change in your diet and training. Now, Lisa and Doug both had their Inside Tracker results done earlier this year, so we're going to be going over some of that, how they've changed their training, and how they've adjusted. Doug also got the additional option for a DNA test, so we'll also be kind of going over some of that stuff and what he learned from that. All right, let's jump into the That's episode. That's only because we had to make sure he's human. That's all. We <laughs> yeah. had to make sure of that. Cause that, the, but you know, yeah. If you don't know Doug, he's Doug. How old are you? Is it fifty-eight? Uh, Forty-nine. <laughs> Forty-nine. I, <said> 50. <laughs> I knew. I knew you. <laughs> I knew. So I knew you were old. I knew you were older than like significantly older than the forty-year-old Masters cut off. But like, I couldn't remember the number. I knew it was a high, a high end of a decade. But uh, yeah, you look significantly. That's yeah. awesome. I thought you were like forty-one the first time I met you. Oh, yeah. thank goodness. Yeah, but he'll be 50 this year. So right now, the the age of turning 50 has kind of been like Spartan ruined it because he's been having to run in the 50-year-old age category all year. So, so. Ah, okay. so he like technically is 49 in some races and 50 in others. Right, so. and there's a couple of strong runners in the 50-plus group in Spartan that I wasn't real thrilled to get pushed with this year. <laughs> <laughs> when you don't want to be in the 50-year-old age category <laughs> because they're fast. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about Inside Tracker. We're going to be talking about Conquer the Gauntlet, the, their first two races of the season, which was Dallas and Oklahoma City. And we're also going to be talking about Lisa's injury. So if you haven't been paying attention, Lisa has not been racing this year at least not yet, uh, it's because she was injured. So, Lisa, kind of take us through that. It's been, I mean, it's been a while. I've been injured for six months. It started with, I was at a ninja comp, and I think I've been preaching that you just listen to yourself. Um, that's the one thing that I've taken away from this, is when you think that things aren't run the way they should be, you know, maybe you should walk away. Um, so I didn't warm up as well as I should have. Um, and I went for a long reach and I knew I did something to my arm, but I wasn't sure what, because it wasn't a traditional, um, what they consider a bicep tear where it slingshots up your arm. Um, mine just tore and it kind of stayed stationary and they said it was because they don't know exactly why. Um, and so I didn't actually know how bad the injury was immediately and it wasn't until it was died and then it was, um, diagnosed by a trainer a physical therapist and he diagnosed it as a torn long bicep tendon and so when I talked to some other people they're like oh you can do without your long tendon um, it's kind of there for um, 
there's two tendons that attach in the shoulder. And I'm like, wait, it's not my shoulder, it's my elbow. Um, and so that's when it was finally diagnosed that it was a distal tendon. Um, it's the only attachment that the bicep has to um, down by the elbow. So that one is a mandated surgery. And I'm not a big fan of surgery. So it's been, um, it's been kind of a bumpy ride. So I didn't have surgery to have it repaired. When my surgeon went in, he realized it was worse than he expected. The tendon is frayed, so I'll have to have a donor tendon. But he didn't want to do the surgery at that point. So he just sewed me back up and said, we're going to try PT. So I tried PT for six. In the meanwhile, my shoulder has been taking kind of some impacts from it. So it caused torn rotator cuff, which was going to require surgery as well. So it kind of has compiled into a lot of things. Um, and then I finally just decided to get a second opinion um, as far as surgeons go. And so now I have a new surgeon in New Orleans. Most likely the surgery will happen, but they want to wait until I move to the Mississippi area, I think, because he thinks I'm going to have to be babysat to not do things. Uh -oh. So I think he wants me closer to Doug so that Doug can <laughs> tell me stop doing stuff. So so that's kind of where it's at. Um, I'm kind of in hold for a while. Um, it's been very frustrating, but finding new ways to do things. So that's kind of where my year has taken me. Yeah, I remember when you posted you were going to get surgery and, you know, it was like, all right, well, now the recovery process is going to start. And then when you posted again, you know, I think it was all, it might have all been in the private group that, you know, you woke up and essentially, like, we didn't do anything. We just cut you open and sewed you back up. It was, like, heartbreaking. Just how have you been dealing yeah. with Yeah, that was I, um, You know, I think OCR is such a big part of our lives and a lot of the listeners' lives. Like, how have you been dealing with essentially not being able to train or race? I have super highs and lows. Um, I'll have moments of, like, everything's going to be okay. And then I definitely have moments where I just, I kind of shut down and don't really talk to anybody about it um, and just go through my day. Most of the lows, it's, I mean, I hate to say it's been better. Um, I stopped my job as a personal trainer um, just because it, with PT every morning I was driving. My surgeon here in Wisconsin was a two hour drive away. So my PT was a two hour drive every day. So I had to go to PT two times a week. And it just got to be too much working full time, trying to do some training that I could do um, two days a week, driving four hours plus PT appointments. And it got overwhelming. So I decided to stop my personal training job. And I hate to say that, that since I've not been in the gym, it's been easier because there is things that I can do. Um, but walking into the gym and seeing everything that I can't do was a daily reminder of being injured. Now that I'm focusing more on just running and then I've been freed up to be able to rock climb as long as I don't hang overhead because of my rotator cuff, um, I can do things like that. So that's made it a lot easier for me as well. I think Doug probably has seen more of the impact. And yeah, I think the hardest part was the waking up and you're still kind of in medication mode and them just telling you, no surgery occurred. And I thought I was going to be on the road to recovery as well. And, you know, being in the holding pen for as long as I've been, it's been challenging, but I have a lot of supportive people with me. So that's made it better. Gotcha. Well, su sucks to hear. And, you know, that's a, obviously a rough story, but, you know, the 
your life was a lot more than before OCR, and I'm sure there'll be a lot more great stuff after. And same with even all of our listeners, right? The sport's only been around a couple of years, so um, a lot. Of, obviously, we have a lot of all have a lot of good memories here, but yeah, I mean, it life's bigger than uh, OCR, so it is. And I know, like I, I know that even though 2019 is done, I look towards right now. I'm looking towards how can I better myself for 2020? And right now it's my running. Um, and I've, so I've been doing a lot of hill training and a lot of running, that kind of thing. And knowing that this isn't the end, I'll be back in 2020. And I feel like I'm going to actually be back stronger. So that's exciting to me. That is exciting. Um, so yeah, like we we're saying, life is not about OCR, but this podcast is about OCR. So we're going to jump back into it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, starting, exactly. off, starting off with Conquer the Gauntlet Dallas. Now, I couldn't go to Conquer the Gauntlet Dallas. Why was I can't even remember why. Oh, I remember why. That's right. My wife was about to give birth to a Oh, baby. you were having a baby? <laughs> so, that's oh. what was going on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, I knew there was something important um, that happened that weekend. That's why I couldn't make it. <laughs> Little bit of importance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I canceled my plans last minute um, to go down there because uh, the baby was coming a little bit early. But anyway, I know both of you guys went down there. Uh, how did that go? Uh, maybe Doug start us off. It, it went really well. Um, it was super hot and dry, uh, just like last year. Um, the course kind of followed this similar path as last year. Um, one thing I was really looking forward to the new obstacle, the lion's den, and it had a lot of rain in the couple days before the race and the, it got so full of water, it broke some of the main bracing. So they decided not to use it in the race. So I did kind of sneak in there behind a volunteer's back and look at it after the race and kind of decoded it in my mind, but I was hoping it would be in the race. So, And go ahead and describe what that, that is for people. Oh, sure, sure. Um, it, it's a huge obstacle, and it, it's pretty much three different parts. Um, you enter it through a kind of a curtain that you have to get down on your hands and knees and crawl into it. There's a, a black drainage pipe type culvert that, that's at a 45 degree angle up and there's a little piece of rope hanging in it. You have to shimmy yourself into it off the ground and then pull yourself up through it using the piece of rope. And then you come out on a platform and then there's four big rotating drums that are over water that you have to run or crawl or however you can get across them without them rotating and throwing you into the water and that definitely had a feel from ninja warrior type things um and if you make it across that then there's a landing platform and then a, a little a-frame wall that you go over and finish the obstacle yeah, and if people are confused what it looks like i just posted a video by the, by the time this comes out it'll be a couple probably a week or two ago uh, on my Instagram ultra OCR man of me running across it. And then I know Jay Flores also did a technique video with Lisa. So, uh, Lisa, what were your thoughts on the new obstacle? <laughs> <laughs> was that, was that a technique or a Friday? That, 
That was a Friday video. <laughs> I love the new obstacles. No, um, don't stop. When they tell you it doesn't spin, they're completely lying to you. It spins, and you're gonna fall in. <laughs> so, so I yeah, eventually so, got to do the obstacle. Yeah, it was fabulous. Yeah, I got to do the obstacle in Oklahoma City. And the first funny thing is when I when I go in, you know, those forty five degree tunnels, someone didn't drop the rope back down in front of me. Yes. I'm trying to get up it with yep. Yep. and I'm just sliding backwards and I'm like, this is impossible. I was like, how am I ever gonna get up this? You know, I'm like You know what it is? That would be for people to understand it's like teeter tuber without <laughs> teetering. It's yeah. just tuber, <laughs> like going up. Like, and that's what it is. I think it's a super angle too. I, I mean, awesome. you, you can get up teeter tuber, but yes. like this was steep. Like I, I, I couldn't go anywhere. Um, and then eventually yeah, I was right. like, oh, there's no. a rope. So I switched lanes and uh, went up the rope. Yeah. And I was surprised to the barrels. You know, I was picturing something like Wipeout where they'd be like really squishy, but they're pretty hard yeah. with like a, a light uh, cushion no. on top. <laughs> so. Right. Yes. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, and the last thing, if you it. watch my video, it's fun falling too. I mean, you can try it. Everyone should. <laughs> Rent, <I> mean, <laughs> Just please, to make please. me feel better. <laughs> Lisa fell in the water on the Fail Friday video. If you want to go back and watch that on the CTG yes. Facebook page. I didn't make it past the first spinning barrel. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the important. But I think Jay's last there. comment was, "They don't even spin." Yeah. <laughs> I think the important thing, the comment there is right. You got to be light on your feet. Uh, I step just on, like either the center or just past the center. So when I step back, it pushes it, and then uh, just yeah. kind of skip across it. You know, yeah. as I was going through continuum, doing multiple laps in Oklahoma City, you get up there and there's people just staring at it, and it's like. That is not going to get easier the longer you stare. <laughs> you know, it's just, you just got to – Right. It, it's, just like, it's just like a lot of tough fear-based obstacles. Yeah, you just got to go. Um, and speaking of like fear-based obstacles, uh, right. I drove down with uh, Jacob Stone, one of the KCOCR and Strength and Speed guys, and he was commenting how on the, you know, the uphill tunnel crawl, you know, he's like, I, I got a mild case of claustrophobia, and it was, uh, it was starting to kick in in that like tight space. Oh. Yeah going up yeah that tunnel is awkwardly small yes so bigger bigger people i don't know like the three of us are pretty small that tunnel is awkwardly small so yeah, yeah. i was like whoa because yeah, that... i remember when we did it we all three came up it was jay um doug and i we all came up and we we're all like that was hard yeah. <laughs> like you didn't expect that's, that that's definitely so. one thing you know is that you cannot get your knees up under you to crawl up it like you have to just stay full length and slide your body up it mm -hmm. yeah which is mm -hmm. surprisingly hard multiple laps in the continuum when you're you're back and, and forearms are tired yeah i bet <laughs> I, 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 I can't imagine <laughs> i was kind of surprised by that i was like why am i so tired it's just a like a 45 degree tunnel so all right back let's jump back to dallas so give me yeah. a little bit more yeah. about dallas and uh, I, I'm sure people want to know the rig set up and stuff like that. Sure, sure. Um, the, well, the rig, the Tarzan rig, was um, a little easier than I expected. It was it was not over water, and I think that they wanted to make it a little bit easier being the first race of the year just to give everybody a false sense of security. Um, 
(laughs) (laughs) So it was like like an Olympic ring, uh, a small piece of rope, a little T-bar, like atomic grip, um, and another ring, and then a nunchuck. It might have been one more piece of rope. So that wasn't too difficult. Too, not too difficult for you. I'm sure. I'm sure that's harder. Well, I was than just gonna say for like any other race. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the point is, if you're coming, if you're planning on coming right. to conquer the gauntlet, you should get comfortable doing nunchucks, you know, bombs or grenades, whatever you want to call them, such as the little balls, um, bungees, ropes, basically non-standard holds. There was, I know in Oklahoma, bowling pins, one yeah. ring. <laughs> so. Um, I don't think they're using bowling pins for the rig anymore. I know they use them for uh, Smooth Criminal. Oh, no. That's it. For Smooth Criminal. Yeah. Yeah. What else? What else? How else was Dallas? Give me some other details. They had uh, Smooth Criminal in there, and it was was the standard setup. Um, Just run as fast as you can because your momentum helps you all the way through it. It had a, a little creek section that walk through the creek which was extremely refreshing in that temperature the, the sandbag carry used some of the hills on the motocross track definitely a leg burner but it was a good place to make up time if you had enough power i know lisa was doing some of the live coverage i was back home yeah. uh, at the time watching yeah. it and it was the, i would say it's the deepest field we've ever had at a conquer the gauntlet i mean yuri force was there he oh, that's a- right. oh my god yes and then second was oh um, my god it was what was second and third again? Ken. Victor. Oh, yeah. Ken Air Force Ken was second. Was second and Victor, Victor Quezada. Oh, Ken was second and Victor was third. Right. And I mean, was then third. Benny yeah, Gifford it was, was there insane. and Jay Flores. Uh, and it was like, it was like guys who are normally <laughs> on the podium or even winning were like down in seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth place, which was pretty insane yeah. to see. Yes. Right. And I couldn't believe how fast it was. Like, I'm not going to play just watching, you know? And it was, I mean, it was, if you're going to have to sit out a race in video, it, that was a great race to have to sit out yeah. in video um, because it definitely was really neat to see, first of all, to be part of watching at um, Pegatron. I mean, that was pretty much the deal breaker, you know? Like, guys were coming off of Pegatron that you wouldn't expect to come off. So I know that um, Yuri had no problem. He went through right away. But then I think everybody else other than Victor fell off of Pegatron at least once. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was pretty interesting. It was like, whoa, wait, what's going on? So, um, well, Jay didn't, of course, but, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, like, yeah. but, so. The other big news with Pegatron, which mm-hmm. actually occurred at the end of last year, but is now kind of in full swing is the block was removed to the ladies. So how did they do dealing with the just all pegs, no, uh, no footholds for that center section? Um, I think that our strong females had no problem, but there were, again, the girls got hung up on Pegatron. Um, I know the field wasn't as deep in Dallas for the girls, so um, – Alex flew through and she flew through Pegatron without any issues. Um, Amy came through second, but actually did have Pegatron problems. Um, And I don't know if that was just from coming off of a hot run or, you know, what that was, but she had a couple issues. Um, So some of the girls did have 
some problems um, and came off as well. So I was surprised to see how many people came off of Pegatron this, you know, just standing there watching. Cause when you're racing, you don't realize how much of a game changer that one obstacle is. Yeah. And I'm sure there were other obstacles. I know like for Randy, for example, she sometimes has smooth criminal issues. So um, you don't realize like, because when you're racing, you don't, you're like, what people got hung up there what really and you don't realize no really everyone kind of does so um yeah it was pretty pretty interesting to watch that unfold so and that's what i love about conquer the gauntlet is there are so many kind of technical and tricky obstacles that it's not over until it's it's actually over right like the only time i'm i feel comfortable like securing securing my placement is when there's just torpedo ahead of me which is their water slide that's the only time i ever feel comfortable so right (laughs) Right. Right. Well, and the thing that they do that was really crazy is um, put the walls of fury right at the end before torpedo. So if you are sprinting somebody, which there were a couple, you're going to have to sprint over, you know, four walls or five walls, uh, you know, eight foot walls. And you want to talk about like just destroying your lungs. So and then you have to climb up and do torpedo and climb out of the water. It's like, okay, seriously. Can we just not sprint to the finish line? No, nope. because <laughs> there really isn't a sprint to the finish line. It's literally your obstacle sprinting to the finish line. Yeah, so, that's, that's rough. Yeah. And Doug, how did you end up doing? Yeah. Um, I got first place masters in that one. Um, and like Lisa was saying, with, with such a large elite heat, it pushed me down a little farther in overalls, and I think I was 20th. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, that's way yeah. different than my normal records. Yeah, I mean, that you're usually top 10. Usually, like, yeah. you know, five through right. 10 placement. Six, yeah, six, eight, somewhere in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So then a couple of weeks later, we went on to Conquer the Gauntlet, Oklahoma City. So the second race of the season for Conquer the Gauntlet. I ended up coming down and doing Continuum, uh, the multi-lap event. The Continuum was, I mean, obviously I enjoyed it. That's my thing, multi-lap, right? The, so the, the things I would say that were surprising was, you know, you can penalty out of Cliffhanger, the monkey bars, you can penalty out of Pegatron, you can penalty out of the rig, and you can penalty out of Stairway to Heaven. The thing that's surprising, though, is you can't penalty out of the other ones, right? So you can't penalty out of the rope climb or the 8-foot walls or the 12-foot walls or Smooth Criminal, and actually, when you've done multiple laps with that many obstacles, those obstacles get really hard. Like, I was concerned going across Smooth Criminal. Like, my like I almost fell on several laps. Like, my arms were a little bit shaking. Uh, like I talked about earlier with the lines then, you know, crawling up that tube was tiring. And then Belly of the Beast, which is an uphill balance beam into a downward cargo net traverse. Essentially, you're hanging off the bottom. I saw so many athletes just sitting next to it because they kept having like calf and hamstring cramps and they're just stuck <laughs> oh, there, right? Because if you skip an oh. obstacle, you have to you have to tell them that you know, by the rules you're supposed to be like that last lap doesn't count. I didn't do all the obstacles. So, and I know several several uh, good athletes had to had to do that, right? Like I know one of them uh, one of my friends is an ultra runner, you know, couldn't get over the 12-foot wall. He just, his legs kept cramping. He was having trouble. So the, his last lap didn't count. I know Randy made it to Smooth Criminal, which was literally – it was Smooth Criminal and then Torpedo to the end. And Randy's on lap three, and she can't get past Smooth Criminal. 
right? So she had to be like, that last lap doesn't count. I just ran, I just ran over four miles, did yeah. every obstacle, and uh, yeah, I can't get across Smooth Criminal, so I'm, I'm eliminated. And it doesn't even count. Yeah, it does not count. Yeah. So yeah. what it doesn't I doesn't count. I, yeah. I kind of, you know, obviously I like that. Um, one, because it plays to some of my strengths, but what I really like is that it adds another piece of variety to the OCR sport, right? Like, I mean, we have short distance warrior dash with easy obstacles. We have conquer the gauntlet four miles, hard obstacles. We have Spartan uh, with a lot of heavy carries burpee options. And then for, but for all ultra OCRs, there's pretty much a penalty for everything. So theoretically, if you're a fast enough runner, you can win pretty much any ultra. Yes. Theoretically. Right. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, you're not going to beat Ryan Atkins just running. Um, because you still have to do the you still have to do like some obstacles, but <laughs> like this this is the only other this is the only ultra OCR I've seen where people had to stop not because they didn't have the endurance to keep running, but because they couldn't get past an obstacle. Which I just think it adds another flavor to this. Right. Oh, I was just gonna say it's pretty neat to see um, because now I'm of running more I'm starting to get into more endurance stuff and watching people and the different mentality of running a four mile course versus almost like an open-ended you can have a goal mileage but recognizing that you may hit or you may exceed that goal mileage and watching the mentality that goes into that is really neat to see too yeah people were asking me how many laps I planned on doing and I don't answer that question until after the first lap Be- because the course, yeah. I mean the, the course, a lot of, there's a lot of factors that uh, affect your time. So I, I never make a prediction until after the first lap when I have a baseline to be like, all right, this is my first lap, you know, based off how much I'll slow down or how consistent I'll be, I'll be able to do this many laps. Right. So I ended up doing five laps. Exactly. I had time for a sixth one and, but I was ahead of second place, Scott Rosecki, uh, far enough where, he wasn't going to catch up, and I was actually planning on running it until, I mean, my hands were literally tore off. There was, like, <laughs> there was blood dripping from them. I was like, yeah, right. the, like, <laughs> this, like, part of me says keep mm. running. The smarter part is, like, you should probably stop so you don't uh, damage your hands really bad because you have other races coming. So um, You probably were going through trauma of the 48-hour one you did, and your body was like, oh, no, you remember that? <laughs> so it was like, no, you're stopping. <laughs> Yeah, I was having flashbacks. Like, nope. I was having flashbacks. <laughs> exactly. And so I, I went with no gloves, and I felt good for the first three laps. Like, I had basically no rips. And then on lap four, like, I climb up stairway, and I get, I'm at the top of stairway, and I can feel – I'm holding on, and I can feel my skin peeling off. Oh. And, oh. and like, like, I didn't lose grip strength. I was just holding oh. on, and my skin moved. And, I, and it just, like, it ripped, you know, like – essentially two or three uh, holes on each hand at, on one obstacle at one point, And I just fell into the water. I was like, mother. So. Well, I mean, if you're going to do it, you do it at a hundred percent. Like don't, <laughs> don't do it partial. Don't just get one little baby rip. Yeah. <laughs> you might as well get all the rips at once. Perfect. <laughs> so. Ooh, yeah, that was continuum. Um, what did you think of the race, Doug? You ran the elite uh, single lap. So Oklahoma City went well for me. Um, it was another hot and dry race. Um, definitely some good elevation to work with there. Um, some ravines and 
nasty washed out areas with a bunch of roots sticking out of the trails, which um, I'd noticed on the course map that they had named an obstacle some weird Latin name, which was like place of sorrow or like mental torture or something. There was some weird translation and everybody's like, what is that? What is that? Well, it's because the last third of a mile of the course was like cutting through these ravines where you just go down but it was tricky to go down and then going up there was no way to run it because you're using your hands to pick your way through roots and these washed out ditches (laughs) so so it definitely was some torture and at that point in the race that I was neck and neck with two other guys that that missed their first pass on the rig and I I saw my gap to pass them and I knew I had to push through that rough section, even though it was so hard to run. Um, I uh, I was glad to see Lion's Den made it in that one, and it was functional, and everyone was having a good time on there. Uh, people that went slow got a good dunking, mm-hmm. and uh, and <laughs> as Lisa knows, <laughs> how the dunking works. <laughs> um, and the, so the, the race results were really good for me. Uh, as far as my metrics go, I'd, I'd adjusted a few things in my diet and, and I felt like my stamina was, was still strong even in the fourth mile. Uh, so I ended up in second masters and seventh overall. Gotcha. And we were talking about this a little bit offline before, but who beat you on the, on the masters? <laughs> Oh yeah, Scott Wurzyski. Yeah, so um, yeah, his and his birthday was like two well, days I, before I the race. The, yeah, go for it. I was gonna say he's now a baby Masters. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like the youngest Masters possible. He was fresh out there, and mm-hmm. when I finished, I I knew who I had passed, and I I was jumping up and down like I got it, I got it, and then like an hour later, I went back and looked at results. I'm like. Oh wait a minute, <laughs> Scott actually is forty now. <laughs> so yeah, his birthday I mean, was literally Scott's like forty awesome hours beforehand. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, oh, that was a, a good birthday gift to himself. <laughs> <laughs> so the interesting thing about he got that, three podiums in the same race. <laughs> Well, no, he didn't, well, he, he didn't get a lead overall. Oh, no, he didn't podium overall. Yeah. I, yeah, oh, that, yeah, that, yeah, that's going to be his yeah. next goal. So yeah. interesting feat about Scott is yes. he's won a – he won Conquer the Gauntlet at Wichita in 2017, I think it was. Um, so he's won Conquer the Gauntlet. Okay. He's won Elite Conquer the Gauntlet. He's now won Masters. And in Dallas, he won Continuum. So he's the first person to do all three. Or he's also – I think he's also the first person to do – All three. Uh. Yeah, he's the first person to do all three, but he's also the first person to do Masters and Elite, I believe. So, interesting. Right. Yeah. And okay. now, and now if, yeah. He's yeah. if he's listening, his new goal needs to be podium in all three in a single race. Because he, he finished first Masters, and then he finished right. Continuum at this race. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go for it, Scott. Go, the uh, challenge is out Maybe there. Maybe Iowa. Is he going to be in Iowa? Mm, maybe <laughs> Iowa. No, nah, he's not coming to Iowa. <laughs> or at least, um, maybe that'll convince him to go to Iowa. <laughs> but uh, Oklahoma City was super hot, and 
I was just sweating a ton, and I barely pissed, like, at all for the six hours. Like, I pissed once, and I was super dehydrated after, and a lot of the other people other people I was with were saying the same thing. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was rough. It was rough conditions. So, you know, I, I know it wasn't as hot as Dallas, but, yeah, Scott was, Scott was like, he's like, I know it wasn't, it wasn't as hot as Dallas. He's like, but this feels worse for some reason. So I don't know if it was the humidity or what. And the thing is, there was a decent amount of shade on the course. Um, but still, it, I just felt like it was, it was just draining. So. Yeah, yeah I do think the, hum- the humidity the was pretty high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other kind of interesting thing is I'm not I've gotten started because of Toughest Mudder, they keep running them at night. I've gotten used to cool and cold weather and I you know, it's been a while since it's just been blistering hot for like a normal race. Basically you gotta go back to like Battle Frog days. Battlefrog Extreme to get to those multi oh, yeah. hot races. <laughs> well, one observation, the uh the Tarzan rig was set up almost exactly the same as Dallas. And, uh, you know, it made me kind of ponder, is Conquer the Gauntlet trying to be a little more standardized with their layout like that? Or was it just because it was over dry land and, you know, they didn't want to get too complex with it and risk falls or anything? Um, But I I definitely am looking for a challenge. And so I'm hoping they'll put put a little more complexity on the rig at the next one <laughs> yeah we'll see i mean they ha- to get it really complex you have to put it over water right you have to put- if you're gonna use a floating board it has to be over water you just Correct. can't um so oh definitely. definitely for those who are worried about the rig or want it to be harder if it's over water that's a good sign <laughs> for you um or a bad sign for you <laughs> right <laughs> if you fall into there yeah yeah i think iowa will be I don't know who's going to show up to Iowa. That's going to be a, that's always a unique one. Cause it's kind of, I feel like it's more in my neck of the woods up here. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I think it's harder for, you know, like the traditional Midwest people to get to. I think that's the one that's further outside, kind of like Dallas is, but I really think Dallas is the easiest to travel to. Yeah. It's a flight flights to Dallas and everything are pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Whereas Iowa, like flights to, you know, you're, most people are going to fly into Chicago and then drive across. And in case people are so, listening and they're yeah, like, I will be. isn't the CTG, aren't you guys the CTG pro team? Shouldn't you know like the backside scoop? As you can tell, we do not know the backside scoop. We show up on <laughs> just like everyone else. No. <laughs> we get the course map the same day everyone else gets the course map. You know, it, it gets published publicly and we're like, oh. Correct. And the, we're, the mystery obstacles are still a mystery to us until we show up on race day. So. Um, no unfair advantage for those Correct. who think we have some sort of inside baseball there. Now the Brenna right. won the continue- We can't play on it the day before. Yeah. We can't do anything. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Brenna won the continuum for females. I won the continuum for males uh, with Scott coming in second. And then for the men's podium, we had uh, Ashton coming first, who is now on the Conquer the Gauntlet pro team. So we're excited to have him, and we'll be getting him on the podcast sometime soon. Great. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) Doug's excited. Doug's like, oh, good. Someone to push me down another spot. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. 
<laughs> no, Ashton's a really good guy. He's, He's a, a super, really, really good guy. Super nice guy. I mean, mm -hmm. if anything, I'll learn some running technique from him. <laughs> yeah. He's fast. And uh, Randy won. Well, and he and people don't realize because he is fast that he's also a ninja. Yeah, and he, trains with you know a little bit with Jay. He's very good. Yeah, he won his age group Noram uh, this past year, and I think he mm -hmm. won. I think he won his age group OCR World Championship the year before. I got double. I got to double check his stats. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we'll be getting him on yeah. and talking to him a bunch more. Uh, Randy won her like 11th or something, CTG, something obscene. <laughs> I literally lost track. Um, and also, yeah. was, uh, Miranda came in second, which is cool to say because she, she has like a string of fourth place, and then she finally got like a podium last year. Um, Miranda Lynn Hubert. That's awesome. That's her name. So, um, yeah. I think Cheryl. Yeah, Randy has enough gauntlets now. She can make a, um, her own um army like she can start like literally Equip making an army yeah like equipping with gauntlet well she has, yeah, she has exactly. enough for everyone in her family to have their own set and then a spare which is pretty <laughs> and now she's got a backup <laughs> she has to That's make sure awesome. they're giving her alternating left and right gauntlets at every other race yeah that's yeah. true you can start putting so, them on there so feet. they fit both hands <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah, there was a Masters female finisher. Yeah. Yeah. Cheryl, Cheryl right? Yeah. Cheryl, was it yeah. Cheryl Bergman? Yeah. Yeah, she, Which she looked is pretty awesome. strong, too. Is she, is she just turned 40, too? That's excellent, because... Yeah, she did. <laughs> she just turned 40 as well. So, but that's awesome, because last year, there, was, like, there wasn't any. So, she... Besides you. You know, so far, it... Yeah, well, yeah, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not, like, I pretend I'm not 40 yet, so it's fine. <laughs> no, yeah, besides me. I was the only one last year to finish. Um, and so it's really cool to have another Masters um, athlete finishing this year. So that's exciting to me because there's always that concern of, well, I'm out. Oh, Lord, please don't let that podium stay empty all year. Like, somebody needs to finish this race. And there's a bunch of 40-year-old, there's a bunch of Masters women that, have always it's always been w that one obstacle and it's always different obstacles for people you know whether it be pegatron some people have um smooth criminal problems um so it's always like some people it's just stairway they can't get stairway so um it's it's the one obstacle so you have a bunch of masters women that are just it's once they can get through one specific obstacle they would make it but they've always had one obstacle holding them up so i'm excited to see another masters women podium so and i know there was a slight adjustment to the prizes now uh doug can you tell us about the masters gauntlet <laughs> <laughs> so well, if, if anyone's not tracking uh, if you win the elite race you get this like sick metal glove right hence the conquer the gauntlet right um but they added a physical mm -hmm. prize for the masters uh this year so doug take it right well, doug added a physical prize right <laughs> yeah. well I, yeah, I just, I knew that, you know, masters are looking forward to having representation like that, you know, and having an award to hold up on the podium and not just wave at the crowd. So, um, the, for, uh, for Dallas, uh, the award was designed with a walking cane mounted on a plaque and then it had a, a leather gauntlet 
attached to it. <laughs> a weathered glove. Like, a weathered, like an old it's a gauntlet. Well, it's kind of like the inside yeah. of the actual gauntlet. Because the actual gauntlet has like a leather lining to it. Yeah. That's exactly it. it might be well worn. Well, it looked like a gauntlet to me. <laughs> I mean, not yeah. all gauntlets were meant to be like heavy medieval armor. I True. mean, some are just for like lightweight summer use. <laughs> the summer, the summer armor. <laughs> so, oh no. So the so the gauntlet evolved a little bit when we got to Oklahoma City, and uh, it was actually uh, more of a movie theme gauntlet from Batman. That is good. And that one had a an actual yeah it had a brass plaque on it that said what race and the year and the the category and uh and that one's actually wearable it comes off of the the base so you can put it on and like throw your fist up in the air on the podium yeah that's cool so, I, yeah, yeah I we'll like... see we'll yeah we'll see what the next one looks like <laughs> <laughs> i like physical prizes as like a representation of your hard work um, yeah. the continuum they have these like really nice wood burned engraved like little plaques so um i think the picture yeah, cool. i saw it those are really nice yeah you can look at pictures of mine or scott's or brenna's uh online and i don't think the picture really does it justice because it's like it's like 3d like it's got layers to it it's not just the image that's burned into the wood so yeah it's really sweet yep. it's a nice touch yeah that's cool all right, let's move on from Conquer the Gauntlet yeah, and I jump think, into some yeah. Inside Tracker. <laughs> so who wants to go first? All right. Doug, Lisa have at it. should go first. <laughs> I should go first. Well, my results were, I mean, they were interesting, um, and it's helped me a lot. Um, you know, it was weird things like I am a vegetarian, but I'm not vegan, um, and I do eat eggs. And so it was neat to see, like, I always know that, the idea of me being anemic or low in iron is high. So I always take an iron pill. And so when I got my results back and it told me I was anemic, even though I take iron daily um, was a little surprising, but then reading through my results a little bit more, it was like, but you have high iron in your blood. It's just not getting into your system. Um, And then realizing, oh, well, you're low in calcium. Like, and then I was extremely low. Welcome to living in Wisconsin through a winter. I was critically (laughs) low in vitamin D. Yeah. And so all that playing into a part with, um, like things that I had been feeling like very difficult, uh, finding energy to go for runs. Um, and I had blamed a lot of it on injury. Um, but now like much, much better mindset since I've shifted some of my vitamins that I'm taking and actually now starting to shift some of the way that I'm eating, being a little bit more careful about um, where I'm getting nutrients from. So it was really cool. And it was, it's been really neat to see my energy level completely just shift, which has been good. And I expect like long-term even more. Cool. Did you, did you do the ultimate package, the one with like the 42 biomarkers? Or did you mm-hmm. do lower one? I did. Okay. Nice. I did off. Yeah. It's like 43, I think, or 42. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it was really, like I said, it was really interesting to see how like everything kind of relates. 
So if you're like being low in vitamin C helped the rationale to, but you're high in iron, but you're anemic. And I was like, how is that possible? And so um, finding out that, oh, they all relate, like the vitamin C is what helps your body absorb the iron. So there's iron, but it's just not absorbing it. And um, same thing with the vitamin E or the vitamin D. I had my cholesterol was a little bit off. And for me, that's, you know, being vegetarian, that's really odd. They're like, stop eating red meat. I'm like, well, I don't eat it, you know, <laughs> um, eat more vegetables. And it's like, that's all I eat. And so then so finding out that the vitamin vegetables. D has an impact. That's all I'm eating. Exactly. I'm like, I'm, that's all I eat. <laughs> um, but the vitamin D has an impact on your cholesterol. Gotcha. Interesting. And so it's kind of like oh. how everything, and I never would have done that research on my own at all. So, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I like how it takes the so guesswork out of it. And it's like, here's what's actually going mm-hmm. on in your body. So it's definitely really cool to see physical results. Right. So Doug, take us through yeah. yours. Do you do the ultimate okay. 42 biomarker <laughs> one too? Yes, I did. The ult- I sure did. And then you um, also did the DNA the, one. So uh, tell us a little bit about that. Cause I'm not familiar right. with that part of their uh, testing. Cause they didn't have that as an option last okay. year. Okay. Sure. 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 So the, so you have to get your DNA done uh, through a separate company, which I use Ancestry, but I think you can use like 23andMe or something like that. Um, anyway, then uh, you just download the raw data, which is like this giant ASCII file of just numbers in a text file. And when you upload that to um, Inside Tracker, then they immediately overlay it into all the biomarker stuff. And basically, it shows you if you have like a genetic predisposition for deficiencies in different things. Um, so <coughs> what I found, uh, one, of the, one of the big things uh, was actually the same as what Lisa had with the low iron from my blood testing. And so uh, when I looked at the DNA, it said, well, you know, you have a tendency for having uh, low iron also. But that it, it also went on to explain that that's correctable with your diet, even if, if it's a genetic issue. So I was glad to see that. And, and uh, Inside Tracker also pointed out that people that train hard routinely run low on their iron which is, it's also the ferritin, you know, the hormone that carries mm-hmm. your, uh, your iron and your blood. So, um, so based on all that, you know, I added an iron supplement and I've also started eating a little more meat. I was kind of low on my eat meat intake. Yeah. Hanging around with Lisa too much. Um, <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Well, well it's not first- even your meat, it's your red meat. He doesn't eat much red meat. Like he eats a lot of chicken um, and fish. And so red meat was not, I mean, honestly, that wasn't a big. Yeah. Well, there's still quite a bit of iron coming through chicken and fish. So um, it's okay to just add more of that. And I still don't eat that much red meat. (laughs) Uh, His excuse now, he has excuses for his sweet tooth. Because now he tells me that it's um it's a genetic predisposition for um liking sweets. Oh, oh so. yeah, that was that was <laughs> yeah. a result too. I wasn't going to bring that up. 
<laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I threw you under the bus. <laughs> and, and an even more interesting coincidence along that line is the, the one vial of blood that they drew that was supposed to be for my glucose assay, uh, something went wrong with the testing and that I didn't have a glucose result. So I can't even talk about my blood sugar. And I have a genetic predisposition for really liking sweets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but the DNA has a ton more information. Um, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of, of different traits in there that you can actually just Google the trait and then see what, what, what your own result is. Um, and inside tracker only picks up the ones that are related to your diet. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. It sounds pretty cool. Sounds like a cool option to add on. Yeah. To it's, it's awesome. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, um, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. If any of our listeners want to go head over, you can head over to inside tracker.com. Um, but they do, when they do the blood test, they do have like package deals. So, if you if you're gonna get it done multiple times, which I think is a pretty good idea, because it actually once you get multiple tests, it'll show your changes and it'll like plot them all on the same graph. Um, you know, buying the package deal will save you money if you're gonna end up doing it multiple times on your own anyway. Mm. And uh, you can tell them the CTG Pro Team sent you. Uh, we currently don't have a discount code for them, but occasionally, like last year, like at one point during the year, they released a discount code for me, and I shared it on my social media channels, but. Um, so not likely to get a discount anytime soon, but you know, you never know. I think, I think the last time it was around, uh, probably around Christmas. It's valuable. Yeah. So tell them, tell them we sent yeah, you. It's super interesting and valuable. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That, I know, tell everybody it's worth it. Like 100% worth it. Cool. All right. We're going to start wrapping things up. Any, um, before we go, since we have three people on the podcast, we're going to do, Tell us one thing about ourselves. Tell the audience one thing about yourself that people would be surprised to know. And, Doug, you're first. And <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of people would be surprised to know that I have a desk job and I sit still for quite a few hours a day, <laughs> which, which is oh. probably why whenever I get a weekend, I want to go do the craziest thing I could find like an OCR race because I'm tired of sitting still. <laughs> <laughs> oh, true. Right on. Yours was fast. That was fast. I was expecting you to think for a minute. Yeah. I won. Um, you did. Let's see. <laughs> Something people probably don't know. Um, I'm actually have a little bit of a fear of water if I don't know what's underneath me. So like in a race, um, you know, the mucky water that you can fall into. I actually am extremely <laughs> afraid to fall into that water. <laughs> so I will do everything in my power to not fall. And it's not because that, I want to complete the obstacle. It's because I don't want to fall in the water. It freaks me out. If I don't know I how deep the how water you, is, or what's in there. <laughs> I thought that's how you got well, good at obstacles. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's exactly it. I just, I'm, it freaks me out to not know, like if I don't know how deep the water is or I like, um, even, um, what's it called? Torpedo. It I don't know how deep the water is. So I get freaked out a little. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> All right, Evan, what's yours? Uh, well, I'll, pl I'll play off yours. So having to do with water, 
I'm not a huge fan of prolonged breath holds, like, you know, diving deep into the water. Um, and that comes from, I, I went through some uh, combat dive training from the military where it basically, it's, it's, it's very similar to free diving. So you got to hold your breath and do tasks underwater. And basically until you start running out of oxygen before you come up. Anyway, I've, I've blacked out twice to complete unconsciousness underwater. So I do not, there's not a big fan oh, of that. Whoa. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. The, the first one no. was like a real quick blackout. Like I was, I was actually coming up to the surface and I basically stopped moving and started sinking and someone caught me and brought me up. Um, and I, it wasn't like, I came up, I was like, did I black out? Wow. Like, yeah, I was like, oh, cool. And then I, you know, kept training. The second <laughs> one, the second one, I went out like hard. I mean, I was in a pile, I was just in a pile at the bottom of the pool. And like, I woke up on back on land and I thought I was back at home with my wife. And then I woke up and I was like on the side of the pool and there was people yelling. Oh, wow. And I was like, what the heck? this is not fun. <laughs> you know, they're like, do you want to quit? And I was like, wow. Yeah. In my head, I'm like, yeah, I want to quit. I was unconscious at the bottom of the pool. What do you think? Yes. Um, <laughs> but I was like, I was like, no. And they're like, all right, get back in no. line. I was like, fine. So, Oh my God. So you have a rational fear and mine is completely irrational. <laughs> like, so yeah, if you want to crazy. Yeah, if you want to read about that story, which it's and more stories like that, uh, it's included in my newest book, Ultra OCR Man uh, from Special Forces Soldier to Record Setting Obstacle Course Racer. 100% of the profits of the hard copy sales go to the charity Folds of Honor. So it's about a 260 page or so autobiographical book, covers my 44 months of combat deployments, and then also all these crazy ultra OCR things I've done. So OCR America. And the OCR Grand Slam and uh, Endure the Gauntlet and OCR Mill. So pretty cool. I think it's a that's awesome. part training book, part application. So, you know, th by telling the stories of all these events I've done, I take some of the lessons that I tried to teach people in the Ultra OCR Bible and actually put real world examples to them. And then it's also just, I think it's just a good story, right? I, I mean, got some more stories in there and you know, things like, <laughs> Finding mass graves, and uh, we helped recover King Piper's oh, car, whoa. the uh, uh, 1930s Rolls Royce in Iraq in 2007 or eight, 2008. So that story's in there. And I was, was at, I was in Samara for the uh, when Al Qaeda blew up the Golden Mosque. So February 22nd, 2006, almost sent like the country oh, to war. So I got some pretty good, pretty good historically relevant stories in there. That's pretty neat. As well as all the uh, ultra OCR and uh, some other OCR stuff in there. So I think it's a good book. I think anyone who enjoys military yeah. stories, anyone who enjoys endurance stories, anyone who's involved in OCR, even people not involved in OCR just wants uh, an interesting story will enjoy picking up a copy. So yeah, right. you can head over to teamstrengthspeed.com. That's awesome. Pick that up. And uh before we go, any final shout outs you want to give? Uh, start off with Lisa, friends, family, school, um, whatever. No, just thank you to everybody who's supported me the last six months. So um, I just want to say thank you. And everybody that's like commented on pictures and things that just gives me support. It helps. So thank you. Good stuff. Doug, what do you got? I'll give a shout out. Yeah. I'll give a shout out to my dad. Uh, I was, talking to a friend earlier tonight and just I kind of realized my dad 
just raised me when I was real young to be active and and mm -hmm. seek adventure and you know not be afraid of stuff outdoors and um, you know explore everything ask questions push boundaries and that has carried me a long way in life and helps me enjoy what I do now with just a passion that I don't think you can just teach someone so thanks dad <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one and if you know me or you've been hunt come with any of these ultra OCRs you know my dad plays a large part in my life too so I think uh, oh yeah oh yeah there's been a lot of studies that say you know absent fathers it causes uh obviously you know second third order problems that later down the line so you know I think I think huh, yeah. if you grow up in a well-run, balanced household, I think you sometimes it's, you don't realize how uh, how lucky or how beneficial you are. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's my two cents. Definitely. So, all right, we're gonna get hey. we're gonna get going. We will see you all, or some of us will see you in CTG Iowa. I will be at Toughest Mudder uh, Minneapolis that weekend. And Lisa will be at both. Hey. Helping people. <laughs> yes, I'll be at both. Be at both. Oh, you're gonna yep. be at both too? No, oh, great. This is gonna be great. He's yeah. gonna be at both too. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa give a shout family. out. Yeah. Lisa, give a shout out to who you're pitting for. Um. At Tuff um, I'll be pitting for Andy Hardy. Yeah. So I'm super excited for her. So and it'll be the first time that I'm crewing for somebody. So hopefully um, you don't see us screaming at each other because, you know, she's one of my best friends, but um, she's pretty intense too. So we're, I'm super excited to be there for her. Awesome. Doug, you going to help out Andy too, or are you going to help out someone else? Yeah, no, I'll be helping Andy with Lisa. Mm -hmm. Cool. I think her, I think Corinne is going to be there coming from California. So um, the two of us will, help the two of them so i'm excited i've never been a crew member like that either we'll, we'll have to pick a tent spot next to each other with the toughest mutter series since yeah. they expanded it to 12 hours they now do actual tents it's not just like a space on a table so it's got that little more of that world's toughest feel <laughs> good very I good think, i think you'll enjoy it last time yeah, they had like good. a fire pit going for the pit crew and they had movies playing and uh, music. Oh, yes. <laughs> the only thing they were missing is they, during the eight hour, they had an MC who would like call people's names out as they crossed the finish line and kind of get the crowd more engaged. Uh, he was missing at the last Toughest right. Mudder uh, East in Philly. So hopefully they bring that back for Toughest Mudder right. uh, Midwest or whatever it's called in Minneapolis. All right. We're going to get going. Minneapolis, yep. yeah. Thanks. Uh, I will see you all, all right, in a couple weeks. Later. All right. Sounds Bye good. Bye, everyone.